Blog Talk Radio. This is our common ground. Alternative activists, empowerment, talk radio. Speaking truth to power and ourselves. Who are you? You don't know. Don't tell me Negro. That's nothing. What were you before the white man named you a Negro? And where were you? And what did you have? What was yours? What language did you speak then? I am a revolutionary. It's about what we didn't do. Amen. Then it speaks to us and the possibility for us as a future person. Because ultimately, our people's future resides on what we do outside of the White House. African descent family, America failed. She put them in chains. The government put them on slave quarters, put them on action block, auction blocks, put them in cotton fields, put them in inferior schools, put them in substandard housing, put them in scientific experience, experiments, put them in the lowest paying jobs, put them outside the equal protection of the law, kept them out of their racist bastions of higher education, and locked them into positions of hopelessness and helplessness. The government gives them the drugs, builds bigger prisons, passes a three-strike law, and then wants us to sing God Bless America? No, no, no. Not God Bless America. God... Our Common Ground with Janice Graham. Our Common Ground, speaking truth to power and ourselves. Our Common Ground, a higher ground for discourse, discussion, solutions, and ideas. I'm Janice Graham, and I'll be listening for you. Talk, talk, that matters. Transforming truth truth to power. One broadcast at a time. And now to Our Common Ground with Janice Graham. To our common ground with Janice Graham. What's up? Say his name. What's up? Say his name. What's up? Say his name. What's up? What you say? 
Transforming truth to power, one broadcast at a time. by the Democratic Party and we're constantly being told you have to vote for us because, you know, God help you if the Republicans are elected. Um, that that kind of uh, emotional blackmail um, and scaremongering, um, you know, comes to an end and that we, um, you know, force the Democratic Party to deserve our vote um, by organizing movements that truly hold the Democratic Party accountable or perhaps forming another party, um, you know, which I think the Bernie Sanders campaign has demonstrated that there are millions of people out there um, who are hungry um, for a different kind of politics and who want their politicians to be, you know, treating, um, you know, the American voters as though they matter. Kimani Gray, say his name. Kimani Gray, say his name. Kimani Gray, won't you say his name? John Crawford, say his name. John Crawford, say his name. John Crawford, say his name. John Crawford, won't you say his name? Michael Brown, say his name. Michael Brown, say his name. Michael Brown, say his name. Michael Brown, won't you say his name? Say his name. Say his name. Say his name. Say his name. We stand up if we rise up, if we pray up, if we work up, if we fight up, change will happen. You know, America's Chocolate citizens are crying out yet again. That same phenomenon, our issue with race in this country, we have to deal with this and we have to go beyond conversations to action. Miriam
went on to say that black men had no rights which the white man was bound to respect. No rights which the white man was bound to respect. No rights which the white man was bound to respect. No rights which the white man was bound to respect. You're listening to Our Common Ground with Janice Graham. Transforming truth to power, one broadcast at a time. And now, Janice Graham. On Thursday of this week, Ayanna Stanley Jones would have celebrated her 14th birthday, had it not been that she was murdered in her street in her grandmother's home by police. Good evening, everyone, and thank you for joining us at Our Common Ground here on this Saturday, July 23rd, 2016. We now have two candidates, one from each major party in this country, which we will be expected to move to the polls in November and elect a new president. Donald Trump, for the great party of the Republicans, and Hillary Clinton, for the Democratic Party. Once again, we are up against the wall with no options, no arms, no rocks, no sticks, and no strategy to escape. Thank you for being with us, and uh, tonight in at Our Common Ground, it's, as we do each month, open Saturday night. Some of our favorite commentators might stop by to brief us on important issues and ignite uh, the conversation. But we start with the theme that it is clear that they will do whatever we allow. Justice is now whatever they can explain under the laws that protect them and do not protect us. Here are some topics that I have on tap for tonight, and we are going to invite you at 347-838-9852 to bring topics that are important, significant uh, in your life, in your black life, uh, to bear uh, on these airwaves. My topics, I'm looking at the Dallas police killing and the strategies and movements to dissolve accountability about the truth of what happened in Dallas, uh, going back to the Alton Sterling and Philandro Castile uh, murders, the recent murders. Um, want to take a look at the shooters and how they come to their act. 
Donald Trump essentially on Thursday night declared martial law a martial law strategy on protesters and street activism in this country if he becomes president. I'd like to talk with you about that. I, I, I want you to give me your sense of what that might mean and what that might look like and to what extent it supports this progressive and aggressive police state in which we live. Uh, I want to also talk about the North Miami police shooting on Thursday, and I'm asking the question, we now shoot autistic citizens because what? Um, it seems that the North Miami Police Department knew exactly what was happening at that scene, and we also have a an African-American police chief who is seeking to exonerate an officer who simply said he didn't know why he shot. Uh, and um, what we must now require uh, in our electoral lives, Hillary Clinton has announced that Tim Kaine is the senator from Virginia is going to be her running mate as vice president. What really is the role of the vice president, and to what extent has Hillary Clinton created a problem for her campaign with the, within the African-American community with this, um, I guess you appoint, I mean, I've never run for president, so I don't know. I guess you just appoint. You elect, You can't elect them. But she's been looking at this for a number of of months now, and um, one of the things that they're saying, they're saying two things about Tim Kaine uh, coming out of the Democratic National Committee. One, he's such a nice guy that uh, he had a, law, a civil rights law practice, that he was almost a Jesuit priest, and he's just a nice guy. Uh, he was a good mayor, he was a good governor, and now he's a good senator. They're not saying what he has done, but we're going to tell you some things that he has done, uh, both as a senator, uh, as a sitting senator, and as the governor of his state. But the second thing that they're saying about Tim Kaine is that he's a good guy. <laughs> That's... That's as much. Our number is 347-838-9852, and tonight our lines are open for whenever you want to put something on the agenda and bring it to us, but, you know, bring it to us in an informed way. We're not here to make speeches about um, campaign speeches for one ideology or another. Um, so... We uh, want to ask you to be mindful of other callers. Um, before we get started, I, I just want to, I, I can't listen to that, I call it the say their name, um, 28 African Americans who have been unarmed and gunned down and murdered by police in this country. And as police murders accumulate and police chiefs get fired and replaced because they cannot stop it, the union that 
this represents a political crisis because a truism. It is not a crisis of policing which would suggest a situation beyond the capacities of the police. In my opinion, it is the police who have become the crisis. In Oakland, California, on July 7th of this year, 5,000 people came to demonstrate on one day's notice against the two police killings that had occurred the previous two days out of a profound awareness of the malignity afoot, and they shut down the interstate. And here's the magnitude of this crisis, folks. It's represented by its insidious repetitiveness. The murder of Alton Sterling um, uh, this month was identical to that of Oscar Grant in January of 2009. Both of these men were thrown face down on the ground with their hands pinned beneath their bodies and two cops sitting on them demanding that they put their hands behind their backs. Both were shot in cold blood for a disobedience forced on them by the cops' weight. After six, seven years with demonstrations and prosecutions, the cops are beginning to enact some gratuitous violence in response to protest. The media, elected officials, and the political establishment has now begun a campaign to make less the issue of these murders and more the issues of a mythical problem of individuals who are waging a war against the police. I don't have to remind you, but I'm going to be reminding you all night tonight that these are people. Mario Woods was executed by a firing squad of five police officers, all five of them, twice his size. and, And after the day after, the police chief, who indicated he was a man for the job, One of his cops shot and killed Jessica Williams as she sat in her disabled car, unarmed. Jessica Williams joined the line of people shot while sitting in their car from Taisha Miller in 1998 and Sean Bell in 2006, Mario Romero 2012, and Dion Damon 2016 say their names with scores in between. The day after massive of people rocked the country about the murders of uh, Alton Sterling and Baton Rouge and Philandro Castile near Minneapolis, 
Alva Brazil was shot on the street in Houston. A mere 10 seconds elapsed between the time the police officer opened his car door and Brazil fell dead on the street. It is not, folks, that the police are not learning from their mistakes, are following a different concept of right and wrong and correctness than you and I have. And it seems to me, and I'd like to to hear what you have to say. Your, I'd like to hear your opinion about that. But it seems to me that they kill in response to civil society's objection to their killing. And then there's some other things that go along with it. Thank you again for being with us. Um, our number is 347 838 Nine eight five two. I'm going to go to the phones. Three one two. Your mic is open. Three one two. Hey, three one two. You're on our common ground. My people. My people. My people. <laughs> Three one two. You realize that you're on the air. Oh, what is happening here? Are you talking on another phone and waiting for me to get to you? Jana. Three one two. Hey, Janice, you with me? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> my people. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> You're on the air. I am so sorry. This is House. How are you tonight? Oh, House Music Lover. What the hell? <laughs> You've been calling <laughs> into this show for how many years? <laughs> uh, I know. I'm uh, I'm hanging out tonight. I'm with some friends, but I'm definitely trying to hear the show. And I wanted to uh, hit one <clears throat> before it got too late. Okay. You know, I didn't want to do the last minute thing. Yeah, like you usually do. Exactly. I'm gonna be different tonight. I love a man <laughs> that learns. What's yeah, up? Yeah, you know. Um, you know, I hadn't heard that uh the the, the song you played. Um, I'm gonna definitely try and find that tomorrow. Um, that's a powerful song. You know, to say your name. Yeah. Um, but it's a real. It's the first really, time really I heard it, I, I do since it's open mic night and I'm not pushing a uh, pushing a, a hard agenda. I tell you, the first time I heard that house, I listened to it like three times and all I could do was weep. Mhm. I believe that. That's a really sad song. Really sad song. But I know uh, Al Alpha's going to call me after the show and tell me. How he's sick of me depressing him. He don't need me to depress him more. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 powerful. It's powerful. Absolutely, it's supposed to make him think and to make him feel. And um, I didn't realize that the, the the date you just stated, uh, going back into the nineties, um, Sean Bell is my the one I'm thinking of. I didn't realize that was ten years ago. Oh six. Yes, that's right. That's um, right. So the you know the 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 
the urgency and the, the, the competitiveness and uh, what you said in the beginning, you know, it's like we have no plan, not just for this political stuff with Hillary versus Trump, same size of the coin. We don't. Have, it's like we don't have a plan um, even to stop that. Um, but, you know, whether it's 2006 and 96 and 1966, uh, all this stuff is, it hadn't stopped, it hadn't changed, just the name. No. And maybe the name. No, yeah. But, you know, it took us a long time, and I think it was the Michael, Bra- uh, the, the Michael Brown murder, when we could see exactly what was happening and that this police officer was surrounded by blue in support that he did nothing wrong. Mm-hmm. And we began to change our language about mm-hmm. looking at these atrocities. We called Michael Brown's killing murder. Yeah. And the minute we said murder, our whole language around police brutality, misconduct, corruption, and killing changed. Well, I mean, you know, I think Abadou in New York City was even before Sean Bell. Yeah, you're right, you're right. Mhm, mhm. You know, and and one of the things that we have got to insist on, and I was thinking this morning or this afternoon or whenever Hillary Clinton was with Tim Kaine announcement or whatever it was, um, that if she is not talking about constituting some kind of initiative which creates a synchronization between civil society and the culture of police. Nobody's talking about that. Mm-hmm. We no. have accepted if, for too long. I know you called to I talk, think, but go ahead and talk. No, no, uh, speak your mind always. Uh, you know, you talk, I learn. You well, you know, the thing is that these our our the political establishment, the government and police departments are insisting on the truth and validity of the methods being used to murder black men and women. They're saying to us and we are somehow only protesting rather than resisting that their killings and beatings are justified and and one of the things that <coughs> that that I said earlier was that um I'm getting another call it, it, that it is clear to me they will do whatever we allow and for them now justice, and I'm not just talking about police departments, I'm talking about a government that unleashes a military, military operations in our homes, on our streets, and in our neighborhoods, that justice for them, as they see it, is now whatever they can justify. Mm-hmm. 
and mm-hmm. and and you know, and the other is they justify it these methods of beating people and in the name of saving lives, ensuring the security of society. It renders them unquestionable, insular, and accountable only to themselves. But we pay their their salaries. Yeah, oh yeah, we're we're paying for our own demise, apparently, um, <clears throat> at a, 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 a steep rate, as a matter of fact. Um, I don't know if you heard the uh, God, a story yesterday, day before yesterday. Uh, I think it was a black police officer even Texas somewhere um, Testified about Yeah, I think it was in Texas Yeah, about how, you know Black folks have a predisposition To be a little bit more violent Yeah, Um, yeah He he, he put it on his Facebook page Or he put it in his Twitter or something Right, right Um, I mean, but That's the, the, you know the, the, The prevalent thought um, be it in uh, not just police, it's, you know, generally in, in society. And, um, <clears throat> you know, that's what these cops, black, white, and otherwise, um, they have in their heart. And, you know, their, their first duty isn't to, first two duties are not to protect and serve. Their first duty is to finish this shift, you know, and go back home. And they have this predisposed mindset and this intention to come back, then, yeah, they're going to. They're going to draw like they did on that guy in North Miami who was shot, was it, three times and missed, said he was shooting at the autistic board and they're hitting the guy in the leg, and nobody had any gun. The guy was flat on his back with his hands in the air, and the little the autistic uh, uh, man had a little toy car that you could clearly see. Um, but this is yep. their mindset, and their intention is going home because they know they're protected. I just need to make it home. I need to make it back to the station. And, well, you can look at how frantic the police officer in the case of uh, Philandro Castile. This man was yeah. scared the hell out of his mind. He was sh- he was shaken more than than the woman who was in the car and the gun was pointed at her. Yeah, and uh, uh, was he, was he drug frantic. tested? Do, do we know if he was on speed? If he had did a bump earlier that day? Um, uh, if, what? If, if he was, he we'll never that? know. We'll if never he was, know. we'll never know. And the, and the thing is, is that the thing is that until this whole notion of impunity mm-hmm. that has been established to allow police violence to become a stage on. On, to perform collective desire to control, regiment, and judge. And these are in organizational terms. So we're not talking about, you know, I'll forget about, and I, I think uh, we did a show some months back where we were talking about there's no such thing as bad apples. The bad apple theory does not apply because mm-hmm. these are organiza- this is an organizational culture. It's a fundamentalism of the police that inverts the norms of society. Yeah. Um, and we out and 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 this kind of aggression and self defense um, um demand the ability to 
to not be punished. And we have an established mm-hmm. government, an established, I mean, uh, I, I cannot tell you how that, that, you know, even if you talk, House, about the Black Congressional uh, Caucus, Mm-hmm. They were more visible on the issue of the five police officers um, killed in Dallas and a bereavement for them than they were at the horrendous killing of those two men. Yeah, I, I wish we Check were on out. TV. Cause I wish we were on TV and I was on camera because you could see me nodding. Um, oh. <laughs> with every word you say. I, I know. Um, yeah. I, I know. I I'm, just, looking, I'm looking like a bobblehead. Uh, I'm nodding so much. Uh huh. <laughs> in 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 radio, we get taught to say mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's why you hear so many radio hosts saying mm-hmm, because that's that's the that's the head nod. But head. you know, it 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 informs what we have become as a society. You know, and people say that if any of these men that we are saying their men and women we are saying their name were white, there would be such changes in this country. But I, I, I don't buy that. I believe that this police culture is so entrenched and it has become embedded as we see more and more victims of PTSD coming out of the war theater, Iraq, Afghanistan, Iran, mm-hmm. not Iran, we're in Syria. Uh, so, Syria. yeah, so uh, I think that it, 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 it formed a it formed a, a military police state on on domestic soil. Yeah. And it, it it you know the story. It it uh it supplied them with arms and everything, just like the military too. Total military mm-hmm. mindset. You know these cats yep. aren't just running out here with six shooters. Um, they're loaded up. And the, the people, even the, the, the guys that are out here shooting at them now, I mean, they're loaded up like that. They're looking like SWAT, you know, the full body armor and these overly powerful uh, war guns, you know, weapons of mass destruction is really mm-hmm. what they are. You know, so it, it's escalation going all the way around. And, uh, you mm-hmm. know, the bad part is, though, it's going to make a lot of money off all this in Absolutely. a couple of different areas few different areas. Uh, folks are making money hand over foot because um, it just keeps getting scaled upwards. Mhm, mhm. You know, uh, the president on yesterday issued an executive order on um, <clears throat> policing in the homeland. I missed that. And what it does is it provides for police departments to be able to justify um use of military arms and that was and this in this in my opinion what it does is it reduces reduces the import 
of a previous executive order which indicated which well it was it was actually what is called a letter of guidance from the justice department which was about mm-hmm. 2 years ago uh, about minimizing the amount of military gear that can be awarded to po- local police departments. Mm-hmm. So here once again you have Barack Obama um, taking the bite out of a very soft position that he took in the first place. You know, mm-hmm. and and I think we need to lose the notion that the great things about America is that individual citizens and groups of citizens can petition their government, can protest, can speak truth to power. And it's messy and controversial, but because of that ability to protest and engage in free speech, I think people thought that that was real. And And because it was real, America had gotten uh, had gotten better and that we all benefited from it. But the truth is that federal law enforcement and intelligence agencies under the Obama administration continue to fuel and encourage a repressive crackdown on demonstrators who are exercising their first amendment rights and moving for social change. You know, for instance, last weekend in Baton Rouge Mhm. And it's a really dangerous pattern that no one seems to be um uh that the FBI has instigated and other federal law enforcement efforts and no one is checking it. No. Because I, um, while those arrests in Baton Rouge were carried out by local police, federal law enforcement agencies facilitated and laid the groundwork for the crackdown. Mm-hmm. You're right. They supported them all the way, hundred percent. That's right. That's right. Um, I, I know this goes back a, a couple, few years now, but just my own, um, you know, pedestrian observation. I saw it with Occupy. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Occupy opened my eyes and um, you know made me start asking different questions, and I wasn't getting, never really got any answers from anybody. But yeah, yeah, the same thing happened, and how that got shut down and. Overtaken and overrun and intimidated out of existence, damn near. Um, That's yeah, right. Think it shouldn't be the same thing now. Yeah. Same thing. You know, but what is insidious for us is that the police in Baton Rouge treated the black community like an enemy rather than Americans exercising the cherished rights. Now, here is how the federal law enforcement got. Uh, I mean, while President Obama was speaking about the right to assemble and redress grievances, the FBI was sending out an alert to local law enforcement um, the day be- two days before the event, where there were it was the plan was really there were going to be about a hundred protesters, and the title of the alert was. Violence against law enforcement officers and riots planned for 
8 to 10 July 2016. That was the that was the header for the alert that went out. And the document consisted of unsourced and inflammatory images that appear to be screen grabs from random social media from Facebook and Twitter. And 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 the thing is that Here's the here's your federal government in in inciting the police. Yeah. So the message of repression is clear. I think it's I think it's always been clear. I think we uh made the mistake to uh think that anything had changed. Um I I think we made the mistake to think that um you know, one, we had to leave we needed to leave it up for somebody else to do. Um, and it mm-hmm. had to be just a certain segment of the population, and you yeah. know, really, at some point, it's going to take the ninety, close to the ninety-nine percent of the ninety-nine percent of us, literally. Well, you know, the Partnership for Civil Justice Fund, Freedom of Information Act investigations that have been carried out over. I I would say the last five years in particular have shown that the FBI, Department of Homeland Security, Fusion Centers, and other law enforcement agencies regularly label peaceful protests as terrorist activity. And that is how they are going to get and have begun to attack Black Lives Matter. Yep. Doesn't that all go back to the Patriot that's it it goes back to um it it does go back to the patriots act but m- more recently it goes to um and i want to thank india declare for for for, for post, posting it uh a senate bill which was the police act of 2016 and it was passed in the uh in the 114th con- uh congressional term. Uh so, you know, we could thank Barack Obama for that. Um, you know, he's still trying to play on the edges. But yeah. it is clear to me that the the FBI has given the green light to crack down on Black Lives Matter's protests and I am wondering, at some point, um, I'm not wondering. I am sure that the green light by President Obama's FBI to approach peaceful protests as an enemy force, this dangerous pattern set up by the FBI, it is going to be a way to give local police authority to begin to shoot down people in 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 a, in a peaceful demonstration. Mhm. Yeah, well, global rock. We've got um, a lot to we've got a lot to worry about. A lot to worry yeah, about. It, we do. Um but like I heard somebody say it took Barack Obama's administration for Black Lives Black Lives Matter uh to even come into existence. I mean, um, and this is as we are lauding the first black president. How about that? Well, one of the things that happened, and, and 
not. And, you know, I don't know this for personal uh, because I've, I've always had my own problems with Black Lives Matter because I think, uh, based on what I perceive as my ancestral imperative uh, and the needs of the black community, that black pe- community, uh, black people in, in in this country need an organization that is going to fight for the rights of uh, black people. Mm-hmm. And there's a failure Black Lives Matter got too many things going in and going on, and they've got too many. They're not focused uh, exactly. Uh, we need somebody who's going to be fighting for our human rights. Mm-hmm. You know, and and there is one of the one of the parts of the training that I have had as. Uh, in the Black Panther Party, was that you ensure that all of your borders are closed. Black Lives Matter has got too many places in which there can be um, interlopers. Okay, I was going to say infiltration. (laughs) Yeah, and and infiltration. The infiltration is coming uh, Mm -hmm. in the way in which they 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 uh, are funded. Mm, interesting. Is that like uh, I saw Black Agenda Report uh, had a story about one of the leaders got some job with some DNC fund or Democratic whoever funded a couple hundred thousand dollars a year uh, mm-hmm, right before he got that, arrested. That, that's it. You you're not talking. See, you got people like DeRay McKesson. McKesson I think right. that's who you're talking about. Yes. Um, who said a year ago that he's not associated with Black Lives Matter because he was, at the time, he was trying to claim that he was the organizer of Black Lives Matter. And when they jammed him up on that lie, he came out and made a statement that he's not part of Black Lives Matter. He comes out of Teach for America. Teach for America. Mm-hmm. He, yeah. He is a very articulate and very smart young man. He comes mm-hmm. across like a dodo bird, but he is very smart. I have listened mm-hmm. to him talk extemporaneously, and he's mm-hmm. very th- his analytical skills. He's one of them people. I'm sure he went to Catholic school. But anyway, um, hey, 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 hey! I went to Catholic school. Wait a <laughs> <laughs> I, I can, I can, I can tell a, a, a Catholic educated. People who go to went to Catholic school and junior high school and high school because they have such a distinct ability for critical thinking. I don't know what mm. them nuns be doing, but mm. um, every every okay. time I have a conversation with with some people and I listen to them, the ones who are sharp on the analysis, I know they went to Catholic school. You know, like Pascal Robert. He went to Catholic school. Tommy Curry, he went to Catholic school. Yvette Cornell, she went to Catholic school. (laughs) Yeah, I I went, too, for uh, all the grade school and two years of high school. Maybe those two years in high school is what kept me from being grouped in with those three. (laughs) Yeah. But, but, you know, this guy, DeRay McKesson, Mm -hmm. 
I wouldn't trust him as I wouldn't I wouldn't trust him if I could throw throwing him across the uh, across this room. But anyway, uh, yeah, because he's got some fishy things going. Then Black Lives Matter has nothing to show for the money it raises. I mean, most mm. of the Black Lives Matters leadership have gone through the um, open society training school okay. and forums. So, mm. uh, you know, um, they gained some ground, and my question is, what are they gaining ground for? Um, hey, I have a there's been no drop in the point. numbers of police murders of black people or anyone else. I'm, I'm sorry, what did you say? I have a slightly abstract question for you. Between yeah. uh, Teach for America and Black Lives Matter, who's the biggest problem? <laughs> who's causing the, the biggest commotion? Well, yeah, yeah, that is abstract. And it doesn't have to be one without the other. It could be both. That's true. It's an yeah, add-on. It yeah, it can be both. Mm-hmm. I gotta go. How's good to hear from you? Um, good talking to you. Do you too. want me to put you on mute? Please. Appreciate it. Okay. So I won't hang up on you. Well, right. thank you for joining us tonight. You've uh, good discussion. I, I think that. You know, we we need to have we need to have a forthright discussion about what's happening here, because in one hand you've got this police culture, who's trying to say that we're we're we have a war waging a war against them when in fact they have a war waging against us, mm-hmm. and then you've got the rising problem of white nationalism. And I want to talk about that because it really does connect itself into what's happening with the likes of Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton and and the shooting and the retaliation. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. because you know one of the things that most people and I know I'm holding you say so you had to go, but one of the things that uh, people don't know people don't know much about this uh, Tim Kaine guy. Uh, and um, and a now defunct uh, organization, crime fighting strategies that have driven up the U.S. prison population and it's uh, contributed to this entire uh, mass incarceration and privatization of prisons. Mm-hmm. is something that Tim Kaine was involved in. It's called Project Exile. And we're going to go to a mm-hmm. break and when we come back, we're going to talk we're we're going to talk about Project Exile. How about that? Our number is 347-838-9852 and we thank you for joining us on this open mic Saturday night gig. Thanks house music lover for your call.
Transforming truth to power, one broadcast at a time. Because our society is only as strong as all its individuals, the United Negro College Fund has helped educate thousands of doctors and researchers, but we need more. Thousands of architects and engineers, but we need more. Thousands of teachers and biologists. But we need more. And when disease, injustice, pollution, poverty, and countless other problems threaten to pull us apart, we had better educate every single person who has the potential to solve our problems. And to educate more people, we need more of your help. Give to the United Negro College Fund. With so much at stake, a mind is a terrible thing to waste. I'm all about that, about that, Obama says we're not going to have boots on the ground, but now you got over a thousand soldiers. You know why there's going to be more? Because they're going to start killing some of those that we've already pulled there now. Because exactly. if you can't get 30,000 Shiites to stand their ground and they're fully armed, against a thousand Sunnis, and they drop their weapons, drop their uniforms, Drop their draws and run. What have you got? Because you know I'm all about that bass, about that bass, no trouble. I'm all about that bass, about that bass, no trouble. I'm all about that bass, about that bass, no trouble. I'm all about that bass, about that bass. The Alpha Show. The Alpha Show. Fridays, 10 p.m. Just damn. Advanced political pushback. Talk radio on TruthWorks Network. Three Fridays, he's all about politics. 10 p.m. TruthWorks Network. I want to know why I'm fine one minute and the next. My body aches so bad I can't move. I want to know why my hair is falling out. I'm only 17. I'm tired all the time. Now, this rash. I just want to know what's going on. When you don't have the right answers, it may be time to ask your doctor the right question. Could I have lupus? For answers, for support, for hope, visit couldihavelupus.gov or call 1-800-994-9662. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services Office on Women's Health and the Ad Council. No matter what, know your values. No matter what, know you matter. The I Declare Show, home of Real Raw Right Now Talk Media. I Declare Show is where we deal with the difficult, real raw, right now. The I Declare Show, real raw right now talk media, I Declare. The I Declare Show, Tuesdays, 9 p.m. I'm Janice Graham, and I Declare It's real, raw, and right now, the I Declare Show, with India Declare.
we've got two almost certain nominees, um, uh, uh, certain nominees now for, for president. Uh, one of them, you know, one of, uh, Michael cites one of them in, you know, in his essay in a somewhat positive way. And, but, but certainly Hillary Clinton uh, on the conceptually would, would certainly acknowledge that racism is an important issue mm -hmm. and would at least be in the beginnings of the zone that you guys would, would probably say that she should be. Mm -hmm. uh, Donald Trump would, I'm certain, say that racism is a bad thing and racism should disappear by the, by the end of his time as president mm -hmm. as well, mm -hmm. uh, but perhaps is not going to say some of the other things that, that you might hope for. But what do you do if you're trying to, as an intellectual leader, uh, what do you do if Donald Trump becomes president of the United States? <laughs> <laughs> She's already got her passport well, to know. <laughs> I don't because I, I am proud to be American and I'm not, you know, I, I, I want to be able to help change the country for the better. I feel like if, you know, people who say that I'm dedicated to making this country be as, as good as it can be and, and leaving the country and not continuing to fight to make it better. Um, it's part of the work that I do. It's part of why I researched the problems that, that, I, that I have in the book. I think you know there are some people that say, well, if, if if Donald Trump's president, then you know things will get so bad that maybe they'll 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 get better. I think we need to keep the dialogues going. I think that um, that regardless, these issues, racism is kind of reaching a new uh, threshold in in our society, and people are talking about it in different ways. And I would hope that that those conversations, as well as the protest movements that that we see, will continue to put pressure on the Trump administration to make America what it should be, which is not necessarily, you know, the, the kind of vision that, um, that, that he seems to be projecting. I think that, you know, he, there's a, there, there seems to be a lot of divisions and we need to really, really work to show commonalities that targeting policies for African Americans is not at the expense of low-income white Americans or, or affluent white Americans. Michael, if, if President Trump said to you, uh, you know, yes, I agree with you, racism is a bad thing, and he's come to an end, I don't have a racist bone in my body, uh, and I agree with you that, that we've got to do a better job of preventing these bad things from happening in the future, mm -hmm. but I'm sorry, we do also have to speak candidly about the thugs that you're not asking for affirmative action for, mm -hmm. and there are people who have to clean up their own conduct and straighten, straighten themselves up, and there is some dimension of that that has to be a testosterone dimension of, of the formula. What do you say to Donald Trump if, if he or a conservative thinker makes a more eloquent version of that case? What do you say to that person? <laughs> well, look, that, that, that case has been made time and again, perhaps from time immemorial in terms of the origins of ideology. Uh, that's nothing new to say that people have to comport themselves in a certain fashion. You mentioned earlier Bill Cosby. He was addicted to that. Uh, Martin Luther King Jr. wrote a column for Ebony Magazine where he gave practical advice to Negroes, as we were then called, about how to handle their particular issues. Booker T. Washington, W.B. Du Bois, Nanny, Helen's Bur Nanny Helen Burroughs. So the fact is you have to be ignorant of the broad swath of, um, of the broad reach and trajectory of African-American thought mm -hmm. about these issues to, to make it as if it's something new, number one. To pretend that every pronouncement that Clarence Thomas makes every 10 years uh, is something that is novel, uh, that is insightful, or some new black conservative. So I say to, to Donald Trump, look, black people are just as invested in wanting our communities not to be run over with thugs. Mm -hmm. Stop giving them badges and guns. Stop uh, you know, giving them the ability to roll up in black communities under a no-snitch policy that the police department abides by because it refuses to tell the truth about the thin blue line that ostensibly should protect us 
from the marauding criminals, except those criminals turn out to be often those with badges and guns. So I would say, A, you got to deal with that. B, uh, there are many in the African-American community, among with, uh, along with Latinos, who are culturally conservative, who have moral principles rooted in the Ten Commandments, who want nothing more than to clean up these communities. Again, don't demonize and pre-criminalize African-American, Latino, and even poor white people. And then thirdly, uh, what we've got to do is to say, uh, from the very day that uh, Donald Trump takes office, we want to make America great again. You're listening to Our Common Ground with Janice Graham, transforming truth to power, one broadcast at a time. Say his name, won't you say his name? And now back to Our Common Ground. Thank you for being with us here tonight on Open Mic Saturday Night. Our number is 347-838-9852. You were listening to a segment from the American Forum. And we're going to go to our phones. Our number is 347-838-9852. And, and by the way, I want to remind you that we have to be real careful. You remember a long time ago when we didn't have cell phones or when the cell phone didn't have the contact numbers and all that stuff and speed dial and all that craziness, that every one of us knew verbatim at least five telephone numbers. I mean, in my family, I was the contact address book person. Everybody called me, what is so-and-so's number? What is so-and-so's number? Uh, I need to call so-and-so. What's her number? What's his number? And I knew all these numbers. I had all this crap in my head. I, I just memorized numbers. But now we have this speed dial thing and contacts in our phones and all of that stuff. But one of the things I fear is that and and the thing I wanted to emphasize tonight by making sure that we remember that these were a mother's son, a father's daughter, somebody's nephew son, goddaughter. We saw these families. I I listened to um Jordan Davis's mother on in an interview today she uh un, by her own is her right is support, in support of the Hillary Clinton campaign and she's going to appear as a speaker in the Democratic National Convention but we cannot have this stuff on speed dial we have to remember we have to, you know, one of the things I want all of you to do, and, and listen to me carefully, every morning as you're brushing your teeth or washing your face or combing your hair or whatever, say one of their names. I have had Trayvon Martin's picture in my office since the day after he was murdered by that criminal, 
psychopath George Zimmerman. But every morning when we are preparing to go out in our day, say one of their names. It keeps us on point about what this is really about. We cannot become desensitized to black people being murdered in the street. Our number is 347-838-9852. I'd love to talk to you. And I also want to talk to you about the worsening, growing um, hold. I'm sure you read that David Duke is running for the Senate, um, that white nationalism is taking not a turn. They've always been there. They are beginning to be visible and create a political infrastructure. 646, you're on the air, open mic Saturday night. How are you? Thank you for joining us. Hey, what's going on, BJ? It's Jay. How you doing? Um, I'm doing good, Jay. How about you? I'm good. I was M1 and M2. How is Jay, you're M1 and up. What's M2? going on? No, no, I just called to see how you was doing. I, I, I know you probably still have a awake in the migraine from the last week of looking oh, at the man. It's been a it's, it's, it's just um, been it's been a tough but Jay, you know what? I listened to Chris Christie uh on one of the nights and I listened to Donald Trump last night or night before last whenever. And and that's other than uh just turn on T V and just taking a look and reminding myself that these people are not just it in this convention center. These are people who represent loads of other people. Some of the well, people I in mean, that audience I mean, were absolutely rabid. Well, you know the reality. Uh, I, you would enjoy this. Um, I called Alpha last night on his show to to, to remind to to to. To advance this idea Chris Christie's speech Which I heard Was modeled on A model of a speech Given by Malcolm X First Adopted by Louis Farrakhan And them clowns Was enjoying it <laughs> Well you know You know the thing The thing is this BJ A lot of people do not understand nor do they realize that the white man in America is a very uneducated on the whole, a very sick, racist, maniacal, murderous leech of an individual. The sad thing is that these people are going to be in a position to put this fool in the White House. Now, from my observation of watching the the the, the shenanigans that went on, I'm going to say something, and we really better think about what I'm saying. He's not going to run this country. He's going to give him a dick chain, someone of that ilk, to do the day-to-day 
operations of running this country. And this fool is going to go around the world making the absolute jackass and the mockery of himself in America. I'm telling you now, he has no policy background. He don't even have the temperament to be a president if the truth be told. He's going to get him a Dick Cheney or someone like that to come in and run the country once he becomes president. Mark my words. And when that happens, well, you know, it's really it's interesting at nine. It's really interesting at nine after the top of the hour that you say that because um, his biographer has already admitted that this man he's ADHD. He has no ability to concentrate. He has no ability. He can't tolerate having to take in information. That his attention span is that of a ten-year-old. And 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 it shows and it shows by his actions, his delivery, his cadence, and all of those things in play. But the problem is this. The American people are not observing it on the level that they should to be able to put this information out there and to dissect it so that they can keep this lunatic out of office. Because, listen, if the man get in the office, there's going to be some problems in the world that we are not ready to deal with. I'll give you a perfect example. You see what happened in Venezuela once Hugo passed away. That's coming to America if Trump gets in the office. We are absolutely going to be... No, no, let me finish this. We are absolutely going to be in in a chaotic thing. And I'm going to tell you you how it's going to end. It's going to end by a Kennedy action happening. The same thing... When they got rid of Kennedy because of what they're doing and the destruction that he was supposedly going to cause to the system, that's what's going to happen to Trump. Believe me when I tell you, the man is not fit to be president. On, on no well, I don't, I think, Kennedy Clinton. I I don't think that anyone who's listening to us believes that he is. He is a sociopath, narcissist. That's the highest order. At, at the highest order, you're absolutely right. But let me ask you a question because you've you've raised an interesting interesting thing, and it's on my on my list of questions that I wanted to ask the audience. If God forbid Donald Trump is elected, um, I'm wondering if there will be a coup. And when I look at the polit- when I look at the political landscape of this country and the way in which things in the way in which government is is uh formed, I'm wondering if we have the same kind of political organi- organizing and organizations in this country to even pull off a coup. Well, see, the thing the thing that will determine 
a lot of response and actions in this country after the first six months will be if um, the Senate and the Congress are run by Republicans. If the Democrats are able to take over the Senate and gain control of the Congress, then you're basically going to have the same thing going on that's been going on with the Republicans, even though not on the same level because Democrats are punks. So they'll basically punk out and capitulate to the, the, to the Republicans because they'll be so happy to have control of the House and the Senate. The chumps won't do anything to um, address what's um, going on in regards to the country. But if the Republicans have control of the, the, the Senate and the Congress, after six months, all hell will break loose in this country because that's how long it'll take for the American people to see that they basically got the jackass in the White House that's tearing the country apart. Because, see, a lot of these Neanderthal white folks really, really feel that he's going to be able to get into office and go around the world bully people, change trade deals, and do all of these things he's talking. And then they're going to realize that it ain't a damn thing that this fool can do but capitulate and go on American TV and talk his nonsense, and things are basically going to stay the same and maybe get worse because the countries around the world are going to do certain things that's going to make him act and respond that based on him being a sociopath, you don't know what this fool may do. So there's a lot of things at stake that I don't think we think. clearly, clearly understand um, in regards to the Neanderthal. Because, see, white folks, they don't, they don't think well as a collective. They act in a certain fashion collectively, but they don't think about the ramifications, especially those tea partiers and the rest of them, and, and, and I mean, you noticed it in the convention. There was some, there was some real, real, as as my man Archie Bunker used to say, Pollocks. You know what I mean? Yeah. They really, they really strange. Can can we talk here a minute? Um, one of the one of the things that I read recently, um, uh, maybe about a month ago, was a piece that was written by Deepak Chopra. And one of the things that he said is that about Trump, and it was the the the, the head of the piece, and it was in the San Francisco Gate, uh, was that Trump had a genius for grabbing the limelight and dominating the scene in ways we haven't seen a politician ever be able to do. But what he said is that in reality, Trump really isn't bizarre, nor is he an anomaly, that he stands for something universal, something right before our eyes, and it's an aspect of the human psyche that we feel embarrassed and ashamed of, which makes it our collective secret. But going back a century in the field of psychology, he pulled out this 
this concept, the secret side of human nature acquired a special name, and it's called the shadow. And the shadow compounds all the dark impulses, you know, hatred, aggression, sadism, uh, selfishness, jealousy, resentment, sexual aggression. And we hide those things. And, you know, this is all the Carl Jung and fraud and blah, blah, blah. And he said that Trump was the latest expression of the shadow. And he isn't an anomaly, but that breaks out of the secret because of his narcissism. And that makes so much sense to me. I mean, like, we had a lot of people, Nixon, Reagan, uh, politicians. I mean, I think it's true about Sessions and and um, uh, King and some of the people still sitting in the Congress. But that... Uh, that the that this shadow has been on a slow simmer for decades um and and it comes in in forms to make hay from southern racism law and order aggression against minorities so uh you know i'm thinking that we can say that this guy is somehow different but he so many of us have never been exposed to true evil. Yeah, but you know, but you know something, BJ, and you may agree, and you may disagree. Hillary Clinton's no better. She's the same type of <laughs> she's the same type of diabolical evil. She's the same. She has the same type of characteristics and behavior. The only difference is she has the ability to control it. But she's a social class. She's all of those things. But you know something? I don't know if you addressed it or not. But you know, think about this, BJ. Everybody talks about Obama and all of these things and this family and this and that. Imagine this. If Michelle Obama was the type of visual whore that Melania Trump is, do you think Obama would have ever got into office with a life, with a wife like Melania Trump? She's basically a semi-porn actress that just hasn't done a movie or absolutely showed it off. I'm waiting for some butt-naked pictures of her to come into play. I think they should drop well, you can't get any, any more because it's there. hard to get more naked than the pictures that I saw of her oh, on a uh, in the GQ but, magazine. Yeah, but just imagine if that was Michelle Obama had those type of pictures. If Obama were to get anywhere close to the to the to the to the Neanderthal yeah. house, yeah. I mean, this yeah. this is just the kind of things. And the kind of contradictions in the games that we play in this country that allow for someone to ilk of Donald Trump, married three yep. times, divorced, and all the things. I think he's a he's an immoral man 
he he he's I mean he's not even honestly fit to be the president if you're just talking about character. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you have to have a certain degree of character to be a statesman yeah. around the world. And it seems yeah. like, BJ, we're, we're, we're just basically losing all sense of, I would say, credibility on the world. So even though I don't give a damn. I'm, I don't care nothing about America, to be honest with you. But it's just the... It's just the, the the sadness that's out there in the way that we are witnessing this type of madness. And you would not think, but then again, if you do think about it, the white man, the Neanderthal is so immoral, this is something that he would portray to the world in his most decadent self. Jay, the bottom, the bottom line is this. The bottom line is this. America elected a black president. He was smart. Black president. Uh, 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 African American president. And it lit the fires. And for all of you who are throners, you understand. It lit the green fire. I've never watched that show, BJ. And it made this country acceptable to any monster that might come by. Jay, I got to go because I got some more features to run, uh, but I hear you. St- keep thinking. Uh, and don't worry about Donald God. Trump. And I am, I'm telling you, uh, and, if and Donald Trump one is, last thing. is... One last thing. I, you know what you need to do before the election to really have a powerful show? You need to get Pascal and Playtel Benjamin on your show together. That would be very, very You know, Playtel Benjamin sent me Playtel Benjamin sent me a long email today, and um, if I have time, I'm going to share it with everybody. And but what I am planning on doing is having uh, in the month of October, uh, Dr. Wilma Leon, maybe Playtel if he knows how to act. Uh, Pascal, Tom, Tommy Curry, um, no, BJ. All <laughs> you need, I'm telling you, I gotta go, BJ. But all you need on is Playdell and Pascal. And let me tell you something. You just keep your mouth full. You take your mouth, <laughs> your mic, and you just put it on mute. And you let them two get it on and popping. And I guarantee your listenership. You know, I had to fire Playtel from TruthWorks Network, uh, but we yeah, are still friends. We've been friends since 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 the 1970s. So yeah. um, Playtel and I talk a lot. We, we, we share a lot of information. And uh, for for October, we're going to have some bang-up shows. But I'm telling well, you, if Donald Trump is elected, I will, be broadcasting, I will be broadcasting from somewhere else. It will not well, listen, be take, from take, Massachusetts. Take Playtel with you because if Donald becomes president, I really feel, feel Playtel. Matter of fact, I'm going to call 
Pray tell maybe tomorrow. Wait a minute. Let, let, me, let me tell you. Never going to leave his wonderful apartment in Harlem. He I has know, one we don't too far. Hey, listen. I'll tell you where I first met Pray Bell right quick. I was working for New York City Transit on 155th Street, right there at the subway station on 8th Avenue. I met him and William Rhodes, the writer, the Bill Rhodes of the Times. I met both of them mm-hmm. because they live in the same building, I think, in the famous building. Yeah. All I'm going to say is it's the most famous building on Edgecombe Avenue in Harlem. That's how I met And I, met I will Brooklyn. guarantee you. I will guarantee you, Plato will never leave it. Thanks, Jay. I'm going to put you on mute. And you see, this is what happens on Open Mic Saturday night. Our number is 347-838-9852. If you're just joining us, this is our common ground on Open Night Saturday night. I, 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 I want to remind you, my friend, Professor of Government and Politics, Uh, Emeritus at the University of Maryland, Ron Walters. According to Ron Walters, in 2003, he reminded us about white nationalism, black interests, conservative public policy, and the black community. And he reminded us that during the heyday of the civil rights movement of the 60s, Martin Luther King warned of the possibility of a white backlash against the radical and systemic institutional shifts being generated by that movement. In his book, Ron Walters suggests that the Reagan administration was the first one to reflect the black lash, uh, an explicit endorsement of the Reagan campaign by the Ku Klux Klan in 1980 was rejected by the Reagan camp, but accepted in 1984. That the negative attitude toward the black community fit the larger conservative agenda of reduction of funding for social service programs. Ron drew connections between the shift to conservatism and the 1994 crime statute, Violent Crime Control and Law Enforcement Act, and 1996 welfare reform legislation that uh, Personal Responsibility and Work Opportunity Reconciliation Act, which was signed into law by Bill Clinton, that these substantive cutbacks to entitlement programs, Ron suggested, illustrated the extent to which the neoconservative agenda permeated the actions of even a so-called liberal administration. And that um, this change may itself be undergoing a transformation and Walters views Clinton's third way for the Democratic Party as less of a substantive shift than a tactical one, which was aimed 
at political victories rather than the achievement of particular public policy. He he also I really miss Ron Walters. My God, um, he was of our times the best political mind in this country. He 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 also argued that contrary to suggestions made by analysts such as what's that woman's name? Oh my God, Carol Swain the new white nationalism in America, its challenge to integration, that the best way to combat the pressures of white nationalism is to create more rather than fewer opportunities for the mobility of racial minorities. So I just want to point that out, and I really want to suggest to you, if you, not, if you have not studied the work of Professor Ron Walters, you should read his book, White Nationalism, Black Interests, Conservative Public Policy and the Black Community. That's the name of the book. White Nationalism, Black Interests, and I'm going to be posting it in our chat chat room. And for those of you who are late to the party, we do have a chat room open tonight, and you can join our chatters. And India Declare is roaring in thunder in our chat rooms tonight um, uh, at blogtalkradio.com backslash OCG. But keep this in mind, that this didn't happen yesterday. It didn't happen um last year this has been an ongoing uh ongoing thing and um i'm also posting a link where you can read some of this book uh he did this book with our good friend Daryl Fears but Ron Walters used to be a regular on on this program uh in its early days when black people didn't have joy reed on msnbc and black authors and thinkers didn't have msnbc and npr or any of that stuff they only had black radio and um we um have friends who Understand that they're going to have to come back this way. You're listening to Our Common Ground. I'm Janice Graham, and I'm listening for you at 347-838-9852. Um, we're going to take a look at, at, at some background noise, some gra- background learning to prepare us for what's coming. See, unlike America would have us believe, the greatest problem confronting this country today is not pollution and bad breath. It's black people. It's black people. See, that's just one of the big lies that America tells you and that you go for because you chunks. You go for it. One of the lies that we tell ourselves is that we are making progress. But here is chairs empty. We're not making progress. We tend to equate progress with concessions. 
We can no longer make that mistake. You see, when they gave us that nigger astronaut, you say we were making progress, but I told you they were going to lose him in space. He didn't get that far. You put Adam Powell in office and you couldn't keep him. What you think they're going to do with Thurgood Marshall when they get tired of him? They gave you Walter Washington of Washington, D.C., and you were making progress. That's not progress. See, it's no in-between. You're either free or you're a slave. There's no such thing as second-class citizenship. But a lot of you running around talking about you Democrats, and the Democrats got you in the biggest trick going. They tell you it ain't our fault. It's the Dixocrats. No such thing as the Dixocrats. The only difference between George Wallace and Lyndon Johnson is one of them's wife got cancer. We are not talking about politics tonight. We're not talking about economics tonight. We are talking about the survival of a race of people. That is all that is at stake. We are talking about the survival of black people. Nothing else. Nothing else. And he will consciously wipe us out. He will consciously wipe us out. Let us check World War II. He will not do it unto his own. Notice who he dropped an atomic bomb on. Some helpless yellow people in Hiroshima. Some helpless yellow people in Hiroshima. In Hiroshima. If you do not think he's capable of committing genocide against us, check out what he's doing to our brothers in Vietnam. Check out what he's doing in Vietnam. We have to understand that we're talking about our survival and nothing else. Whether or not this beautiful race of people is going to survive on the earth. That's what we're talking about. Nothing else. Nothing else. If you do not think he's capable of wiping us out, check out the white race. Wherever they have gone, they have ruled, conquered, murdered, and plagued. Whether they are the majority or the minority, they always rule. They always rule. Always rule. And check out the pattern in which they move. watches it every week and 
and I try to go along with him because he goes along with me. So uh, peace in the family, <laughs> peace to the family. And he watches the zoo, and all the animals are have some kind of virus, and they have, and it has affected the part of their brain in which they believe that they should be dominant uh, on the earth, including dominant over human beings. We just heard a uh, clip from presentations made, learning centers made in the 1970s with H. Rat Brown, and we hope that he his health has improved. Uh, and Kwame Ture, and we hope that he is resting well with the ancestors. One of the things I want to talk to you about is this survival. And um, we have to be uh, very, very clear about what's going on around us. Um I know that we are concerned about, many of you are not ever going to vote for Donald Trump and your option, and elections do matter, and your option is Hillary Clinton, and she has taken on, joined with Tim Kaine, senator from Virginia, Uh, as her running mate. That is good for Goldman Sachs. It is good for Wall Street. Tim Kaine is a a prince of deregulation. And, you know, it's really funny, and I haven't figured out how it's going to happen, but Tim Kaine is just the opposite of Elizabeth Warren. He opposed her at every step in her effort to break up Wall Street and break break up the banks in this country from reaping and raping and greed. So it's going to be interesting how that's going to going to fall out. Um, many of you don't know very much about um, how much potential there is for Hillary Clinton to come under fire from black people for her past support of um, tough on crime policies of the 1990s, which is blamed for a surge in Jim Crow U.S prison policies and the population and heightened tensions between law enforcement and the black community. But Clinton now has named Kane as her running mate on yesterday, making what I consider is a, a safe choice for her battle against Republican presidential rival um, Donald Trump. Um, a little background about him is as Richmond Mayor, Richmond, Virginia Mayor from 1998 to 2001, Kane, who is 58 years old, was a vocal supporter 
of Project Exile. And he credited with he credited Project Exile with reducing Richmond's murder rate. The goal was to literally live up to its name by making illegal illegal gun possession a federal, not a state crime, which allowed prosecutors to send convicted felons, most of them black, to a distant federal penitentiary for at least five years. Kane's choice can potentially exacerbate Hillary's problems rallying support of African Americans, particularly younger African Americans, say their name, Black Lives Matter. Um, I read a piece where Nicole Lee, a civil rights lawyer and activist in Washington, D.C., who is African American, who understood what the implication of Project Exile was about. And she said, and I quote her, Project Exile broke black families. This is not a benign thing to be for. These measures were not used against white kids in the suburbs with guns. They were used against black kids in the cities. In order for... Hillary Clinton to defeat Donald Trump on November 8th. She needs a high turnout among blacks and other minority voters to offset Trump's popular white voters. She, in the 1990s, supported Tough on Crime initiatives backed by her husband. And by the way, did you all notice that Tim Kaine had his uh, wife with him uh, today, and they were kissing and hugging and carrying on on the stage after his speech. And then um, Bill Clinton was nowhere to be seen. What the hell? <laughs> Her campaign really is walking a political tightrope, especially after the killing of two black men by police and the shooting deaths of police officers in Texas and Louisiana. And she offered support for the Black Lives Matter movement, and here we are. Officials who were uh, in Richmond, and of course you know the Kimba Smith family uh, is in Richmond, and they know Tim Kaine pretty well, and I I had a conversation with, with Gus Smith a couple of weeks ago. They have always been very political in uh, Richmond that during Kane and and I was told that during Kane's mayoral tenure um officials believe the community ravaged by the crack cocaine epidemic and an escalating murder rate had to take dramatic steps um and even as a senator his office is saying that he stands by the program believing that it reduced gun violence. Now, Kevin Ring, 
who is a good friend, and he's a vice president of Families Against Mandatory Minimums, uh, an advocacy group that I work with on the Kimba Smith uh, case. <clears throat> they lobby against federal sentencing min- minimums. Now, his opinion is that Cain, because of his support of Project Exile, will have to demonstrate to black voters that he has evolved on this issue. Uh, He supports legislation that would roll back some mandatory minimums and give judges more more discretion. Although in previous press releases, Cain has said that he supports firm sentencing for illegal gun possession. Um, And this backing of Project Exile just makes him odd bedfellows with Trump with 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 Trump's um uh law and order central theme. So we're going to see how this is going to play out in the world of Hillary Clinton. There's something else that is so important uh and that is that the police unions and hate for white people are pushing and that is race war fraud. Um, I, I I don't know what to make make of this. People are 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 killed by the police at a pace four times faster than any in the heyday of lynching. To me, it is just so obvious. I do not really feel the need to explain, but at the same time I will, that this is very important. And right after police officers were shot in Dallas on July 7th, so many people were trying to explain why racism is not the problem. I've heard someone proclaim, but Obama is black. I even Somebody even said that right in my face. Please do not let me spit in this person's face. But they said, but Obama is black. And and the people, I, I actually sent out an email trying to explain to people why it was silly for them to respond to Black Lives Matter with the quirp, twerp, quib, all lives matter. And we're hearing all over the place that people are screaming, "All violence must stop." I, I, I didn't, I, I certainly didn't hear an urgent call about violence stopping until the Dallas sniper shooting. I don't know. I, I did not hear that. Uh, but you know, here we have just meshed into our brains a police officer leaving a body on a scorping a scorching asphalt for hours that's a street execution it's parallel to the act of hanging a body from the tree um a a, a bullet in a black man's head is a message to get back into the hierarchy do you understand that it's a call to protect 
one's position. So when someone says black lives matter, you hear all lives matter. When someone says slavery is never, has never ended, you hear the reply, we have a black president. When someone mentions the role of economic and racial divisions in our predicament, you hear the chastisement, don't be divisive. As long as the population tolerates the institutionalized, invisible caste system, it will continue to function as a smokescreen to hide the most effective, let me see, it's a feudal system that has never existed on this planet. We have something as unusual as American system, uh, as the American system of slavery as compared to the rest of the world and the rest of the kinds of slavery. And it is a feudal system. It is a smokescreen. And it is certainly an urgent challenge of our times. And these people are using it now to create a new smokescreen, and it's called a race war. How many of you uh, have had private conversations? I know you, some of you probably have private conversations where people are saying, um, we're headed for a race war. Well, guess what? The race war has already come. I think this is a troll, and I want you to know if you are a troll, I'm going to hang up on you right away. Our number is 347-838-9852. We do not tolerate bullshit. You're on the air. Hello, is this me? Hi, how you doing, ma'am? Yes, um, I want to input on what you're talking about with the Black Lives Matter. Um, well, you're saying there's like a race war has already begun and like just to, just to clarify because I'm a first time caller, you're like totally against like Black Lives Matter, right? You kind of think it's like a setup or no i'm not against black lives matter i'm not against black lives matter no you got it wrong well i have a question like like i'm gonna like don't like take this the wrong way well it's not you can't even take this wrong way why do you support black lives matter then i mean black lives matter because black lives matter is a movement to underscore the no, yeah, that's what it was when it first came out. When it was like first created, yeah, I'm a white man, and I like, I, I, I like that. Well, I like that when it first came and out. And how do you but think now it has changed? Well, I think it's it changed, changed by George Soros and all the globalist Eurocrats that are funding it. You have uh, the top leaders of Black Lives Matter going to meet with Barack Obama in private without any of the mainstream media reporting on it. Um, Black Lives Matter is taking all credit for these uh, police brutality. Um, no, I shouldn't say police brutality, like the shootings. They're taking, you know, credit for it. They're all saying you you have the uh, Black Lives Matter protesters in Minnesota uh, saying, oh, a white man should give um, pay for a black person's rent now and all that. No, I don't think that's oh, right. Oh, no, I no. Mean, well, well you, you know, one of the things you have to be very careful about, you have to be very careful about what you accept, what you read in the media. Black oh, Lives I know, Matter I know, I issued, I, I, issued a manifesto, and they made it very, very clear as to 
what their agenda is. Their agenda. Their agenda has is to, to start do... a race war. No, you got it wrong. And well, I'm not no, argue. No, that's not when when it was first. When it was first. When it was first. When they first started it, it was a good movement. It was a good. It was a good movement. Well, well, well let me that. ask you a but question. Now, let me ask you a question. I have to ask you a question. I'm sorry to cut you off. I have to ask you a question. Do you know who George Soros is? No, are you going to answer my question first? All right, I will. I will. What are the indicators that Black Lives Matter movement has, you know, one of the things that you have to understand that it is an organization. Yeah. Uh, George Soros and many other globalists are funding it. That's how no, I think but, it's changed. What you don't understand is that there are people who were involved in the creation of the Black Lives Matter movement who were uh, interns at Open Society. That is where they learned to organize. That is where they learned to market their agenda, and that is where they yeah, learn. Yeah, when it was first created, we're talking about media. now. You ask me how well, it well, changed, you know, anybody and can now you're say, talking about anybody the creation. Can say, anybody can say that their Black Lives Matter. I mean, you could go out and pull a, put together four friends tomorrow and say you're Black Lives Matter. And I could take four friends tomorrow and say I'm the Ku Klux Planet. Am I not right? Well, that's what they do. But the point yeah, I know. is, but, and another point the is, the point is um, that cons- Black okay. Lives Matter is not raging any war other than a protest against the uh, against police brutality, police murders, and the culture of police who believe that they can t- they can use military tactics to engage with black people the same kind of tactics they would never use with white people, and they are also engaged in training people in local communities to begin okay, to except, analyze. Except like, okay, but except like, you know, the few white people, I mean, the few protesters that were saying kill black, kill white babies and how white people should pay for black people's. That's uh, not black well, I, I forget the word for it. You've got uh, it wrong. They were That's, in not Black 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 That's not Black Lives Matter. That's something else. I What's have never heard between... that, and I read four newspapers before noon every day. You can't listen to newspapers. You have to listen to alternative media. You can't listen to what the mainstream liberal leftist media See, is telling you. I, I didn't you. say what they're, kind they're trying of, to push Hillary Clinton say... down your throats. And no, I'm not. Excuse no, me? I'm not fully for Trump. Wait, what? Go ahead. What you're saying? Do you you realize you're talking to alternative activism radio, right? Alternative. You got that part, right? Yeah, I do. I'm not going to argue the matter until you understand what Black Lives Matter you're talking about. I am never going to uh, agree. I got to go because I got to shut this down. I have have one question, though, before us. What's the difference between Black Lives Matter and the uh, KKK? Isn't Black Lives Matter just a clan with a tan? Isn't it? Yeah. The, no, the KKK. You just said yes. People. You just. You see, <laughs> this is exactly the kind of. Let me leave you tonight with understanding the idea that ignorance, allied 
with power is a dangerous comp- uh, composition. And that ignorance without understanding and knowledge is a dangerous and deadly cocktail. It's unbelievable. We hope that you will take the time to be with us uh, next week here at Our Common Ground, the interlocutors uh, who all are out doing what they do will be joining us because by that time uh, the Democratic National Convention would have occurred. We want to thank uh, India Declare and um, for really holding it down in our chat room tonight. Um, and for those of you who are going into the next week with the Democratic National Committee and their candidates Hillary Clinton and Tim Kaine, we want you to really spend some time because we have to unravel. I am still, I will vote. But I am still at the point where I am communicating with the various committees. They shut down the... um committee, agenda committee, you know, uh, what's his name that used to be a senator from here from Massachusetts, I don't know, um, you all know who I'm talking about, I'm, he's slipping my mind, he has become very visceral, but spend some time understanding what this Democratic Party is offering. We know that our choices are very limited. But voting is the most you can do. Voting is the least you can do. You need to organize on the end game that's going to work for our people. Have a good Sunday, and thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for being with us here tonight at Our Common Ground. I'm so glad that you could join us. Join us every Saturday night at 10 p.m. Speaking truth to power and ourselves. Don't forget, catch us on Facebook and Twitter at Janice OCG. I'm Janice Graham, and every Saturday night, I'll be listening for you. Brady Green!